to, let's take our Bibles this morning and stand for the reading of the Word of God, out of respect for the Word of God. We're in 2 Kings chapter number 7. We're going to take one week away from our study of Joseph's life. And of course, our theme for the year, if you're visiting with us, is it is well. And I love this theme. I love how God is just bringing it out through the scriptures. And uh, today we're going to uh, look at a portion of scripture that's very close to where we began the year in 2 Kings chapter number 7. And uh, I've entitled this message this morning, and again, as God has just been uh, giving me direction, think about uh, some of you have probably experienced famine going into the grocery stores, have you not? Man, I tell you what, uh, there's, there is some strange things. You know, it's, it's almost worse than a Category 5 hurricane, uh, what's going on right now. And uh, some aisles in the grocery stores are just, just completely bare, and uh, people are getting very anxious. But even in famine, God is good and it is well. And so this morning in 2 Kings chapter 7, begin reading in verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, two measures of barley for a shekel, in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord, on whom, whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And there were four lepers, leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us fall uh, in, unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they arose in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled into the, in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went and hid it. Then said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. 
So they came and called unto the porter of the city. And they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied, and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. God, thank you for unexpected blessings. God, thank you for your many gifts to us. Your benefits are plentiful to us. Every day your mercies are there for us. And Lord, I pray today that you would help us as we look at the scriptures. Lord, people are looking for answers, but they're looking for answers in all the wrong places. And this morning, your word has the answer for us, for each and every one of us. Lord, may you show it to us, and Lord, may we heed it and learn from it and live by it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, a long time ago, we began to talk about today. Some of you are visiting with us. We're glad you're here. Uh, many have invited folks, and don't get discouraged when you invite somebody to come to church and they don't come. I know for many years that I was invited to come to church, and I had no desire, no interest, but I'll tell you this, don't ever give up on people. God will continue to work when we cannot but I love this thought of having a day where we can invite those that live around us into our church so that they can see how good and how great our God is. Love that song, Behold Our God. You think about how great and mighty God is. Uh, what's going on in the world, God, honestly, listen, God could stop it in a heartbeat. God is fully in control of everything that's going on. And don't, don't live your life in fear, just trust the Lord. And as we think about this passage this morning, a lot of those thoughts came to my mind, and I was thinking about our community. What is a community? It's a group of people living in the same place. Uh, it's a feeling of fellowshipping with others, and as a result of that fellowship, it is a sharing of common attitudes, maybe common interests, common goals. This portion of scripture we just read, 11 verses. There was in this portion of scripture some communities, if we might call them that this morning. When we look into the word of God, as we read, we see that one community was that of the Syrian king and his host, all that were trying to take control of the city of Samaria back in, the, in this day. There was also... Uh, the city of Samaria, the community of those that lived in Samaria, along with their king, their, th those that were a part of his house, those that were his servants. And unlike the army of Syria, those that lived in Samaria were just trying to survive the attack. They were trying to, to, to live out this, this encampment around them by the Syrian army. But then there was a Another community that the Bible describes, a very small community. Because remember, by definition, a community is a group of people. It doesn't say how many. And I find in the scriptures this 
small community of four men living outside the city, men that the Bible describes that were leprous men. They were just trying to stay alive. And I think it's interesting when we look at all of these that this passage this morning is a passage that is set against the backdrop of a very time that, was, that called for desperate measures. I, 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 I hesitate. Uh, I'm not trying to create anything more than the media. And by the way, I think a lot of us should just have a healthy dose of just turning off the news. Uh, one, one, I couldn't believe it. On the news the other day, one of the newscasters said, too much of this is not healthy for you. And, and I see how this situation this morning, just like what's going on in the world today, uh, that, that people are getting very desperate. Brother Kenny went to Walmart the other day, and he said, Pastor, I couldn't believe it. He says, all the toothbrushes were gone. <laughs> what do toothbrushes have to do with coronavirus? But I see this situation, this, the city of Samaria is surrounded by the Syrian army. The people within the walls of the city are literally starving to death. And there were conditions that we even didn't read, and I won't go into all of it, but if you have your Bibles there, we were there in chapter 7, look at, look at what the Bible says beginning in chapter number six, the previous chapter, that kind of helps us understand how desperate things were. Look at verse 25 of chapter six. The Bible says, there was a great famine in Samaria. Behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore or 80 pieces of silver. And the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor uh, or out of the wine press? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give, me, give thy son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. And so we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said to her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she, she hath hid her son. And that just seems amazing to me. Out of bounds. But people do things during desperate times. When you look at the scriptures and it gives this description here, and it talks about this famine, it's no doubt that much of what was going on here was as a result of the fact that the people of Samaria had cast off their allegiance to Jehovah God, and they were worshiping other gods, little letter G. You, you study the scriptures, and you find God bringing this severe judgment upon them, and, and here they are, they were blockaded by the Syrian army, that they had no food, that food could not get to them. They could not open the gates of the city because they knew that if they opened the gates of the city, they would die by the swords of the Syrians. This language about, in chapter 6, 
a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver. The Bible says a pint of dove's dung sold for five shekels of silver. A shekel back in this time was equivalent to an entire day's wages. You can see the expense there. Of course, this situation with this, these two women and their sons. But the Bible goes on in chapter number 7, and it says that Elijah, Elisha comes on the scene, and notice what Elisha says in verse number 1, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Elisha was, was going to say this, what he said to the king and to all those that were with him. He says, Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time, about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. This was Elisha's prophecy. He was sharing with them, listen to this, that tomorrow that 80 shekels of silver in chapter 6 that, that they could purchase a donkey's head, that 80 shekels on the next day will buy 640 gallons of wheat. That same five silver shekels that the day before would buy a pint of dove's dung, that on the next day, that five shekels would buy 80 gallons of barley. The Bible says in verse number two that there was this Lord, little L, on whose hand the king leaned. That, that terminology there means that he confided in this man. He trusted this man. And the Bible says that he answered Elisha, verse 2, and he says, if the Lord would make windows in heaven. It's kind of interesting. He says, might this thing be? Now, the reason that he said to this Lord on whose hand the king leaned, notice what he says to him, behold, thou shalt see with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. The reason that he would be punished was because of his unbelief. But when I think about what he asked about windows in heaven, the Bible says in Genesis 7:11, in the 600 year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day there were, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were open. Deuteronomy 28, 12, the Lord shall open unto thee, of his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season, to bless all the work of thine hand. Thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Malachi 3.10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I'm going to tell you this morning that God will and God has opened the windows of heaven before and he will do it again. You see, I'm going to tell you, when you think about this situation, it's easy for us to focus on the bad, the negative. God is still on his throne. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. God allows things to happen and people say all the time, well, you know, I just don't understand why things happen. I'm sure these four leprous men were probably thinking the same thing. Why are we the only four sitting out here? Why isn't somebody else out here with us? Why did the people in the city not love us? 
The Bible goes on to say in verse number three, look at it. There were four leprous men. They had an awful disease of the skin. And the Bible tells us that they were at the entering end of the gate. I think I have a picture of a gate of an ancient city in the Holy Land and how the Bible, oftentimes the entering end of the gate, they sat at this gate and it was a place of prominence for some. But the Bible describes that they were there at the doorway into the city. This was a place of activity. Did you ever notice sometimes when you go into stores, how people that are begging for things or when you're driving your car, they position themselves at a place where they know people are going to come by. You remember the man in Acts 4 that was sitting at the, at the beautiful gate or Acts 3 where, where Peter and John were going in at the time of prayer? And he, he asked for an alms. He knew that people were going to go into church. And he thought to himself, hey, listen, religious people, surely they, they will have compassion and pity on me. And I love what Peter and John's answer to him was, silver and gold have I none. They were Baptists. They were broke. <laughs> now, they were rich in Jesus. Because he said this, he says, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, this morning, this world doesn't need maybe, and I realize there is a need for certain things, but the greatest need of this world is still Jesus. This world needs the Lord. And the Bible describes these individuals sitting there. In verse 3, they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? You see, because of their disease, they could not enter in. The Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verse 46, all the days wherein the plague, talking about leprosy, shall be in him, he shall be defiled, he is unclean. Listen to this, he shall dwell alone without the camp, shall be his habitation. So here we find this situation this morning with these individuals sitting outside the city of the gate of Samaria. And it's interesting that in one day, a message of hope, when things were desperate, when things looked like there was no hope at all, a message of hope came from the most unlikely source. These four strangers bring this message, an unexpected message, to the city gate, and that message that they brought changed everything for those that were trapped inside. What a message that they brought. And this morning, I want to quickly look at some of the details behind that message and those messengers that God used, most unlikely of messengers. They brought a message of hope, and that message of hope is still a message that needs to be shared with the world today. The euangelion, the good news. Folks, we have good news to tell the world. You know, I see from time to time while we're out in our community, people that are spreading false news, lies about God. But I'm glad that we know the truth today, and it's important we understand that the truth that we have, that God has given to us, that it is this truth that will set people free. It's what saved us. We live in a world today that seems like they have no hope, no way out. 
And the Bible says that these lepers made an interesting statement. Listen to what they said. And we hold our peace. You ever, we don't really talk this way much anymore, but in the Bible times, people would say, peace be with you. Peace to you. Grace be with you. And here's these men that had a, a good, good message to give to those around them. And yet they said, we sit here and we hold our peace. Can I tell you this morning, church, and those that are visiting with us, let's not be guilty of sitting silent while the world around us perishes. Let's tell them the good news that God has given to us. Let us share it with them. And I want you to see this morning, as we look at this portion, look again in verse number 8. The Bible says in chapter 7, verse 8, when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp. They went in to one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment. The Bible tells us here that notice their delight. Here these men are, they were starving because they were outside the city. It was a time of famine. They relied on the garbage that other people would give to them. The scraps they lived off of. But we see that these men literally were rescued from certain death. They were overjoyed at their sudden good fortune, and they began to live it up. The Bible says, notice first of all, that they delighted in their refreshment. Uh, they were starving, but when nightfall came, the Bible mentions twilight, they had more than enough to eat. I mean, it would have taken them years to eat all of that. I think about some people that really shouldn't, but in a time like this, they're hoarding things while other people have nothing. And here these men are, and they all of a sudden they go into a tent expecting to see Syrian soldiers, and there's all kinds of food there and refreshment for them, more than they could eat in one lifetime, and they were delighted that all of a sudden they were, they were just eating scraps, but now they've got anything they want to eat. Some of the finest foods. Notice letter B, they delighted also in their riches. These men, they were dirt poor. I mean, these guys had nothing to their names. Living in, in garbage bins and they were outcasts in society and they had absolutely nothing. But now all of a sudden they're wealthy. They had more gold and silver than they could, they could spend in an entire lifetime. And they delighted in the refreshment that they now had. They delighted in their riches, but notice they delighted also in their raiment. I mean, if you're ever looking for a biblical, true, rags-to-riches story, this is it. Because, I mean, they were wearing clothes that were probably falling off of them, that were probably filthy. And here they are now. They're dressed in the finest robes of the Syrian army. I mean, they... They're living it up. They're well-dressed. And I think about what the Bible says about us, because, listen, we're not too different from these four lepers. Look what the Bible says in Isaiah 64. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. 
I think about that verse and I think about those of us that have come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. If you're here today and you're saved, raise your hand this morning. Praise the Lord that your hand's up. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off any longer. The Bible says that we have no righteous standing on our own before God. But I love the fact here that these men, just like we who are saved, they traded their rags for a robe of righteousness. Look what it says in Isaiah 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he, God, hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Folks, this morning, because of the Lord, we, like those four leprous men, we have been refreshed. We are rich today, and certainly we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for all of his blessings on sinners like us. We're sinners saved by the grace of God. And see, I see their delight, but I also see their dilemma. Look back at verse number eight. The Bible says, yes, that they went into one tent and they, they ate and they drank. They carried silver and gold and raiment and they went and hid it and came again. And they entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Can you see this? They're going into one tent. There's nobody here. They, they're taking as much as they can pile in their arms. They're, they're stuffing the pockets on their robes. I mean, they're doing all they can and they take it out. And they, they go hide it because they're afraid that maybe the Syrians are going to come back. They come back to another tent. Nobody in here. They load up again and they go and they hide it. And then they think to themselves, look at verse number nine. They said one to another, we do not well. This isn't good what we're doing. This is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. I love this, how their dilemma, I see their realization that, that they were so caught up in their excitement. By the way, you and I would be too. Can you imagine today if you walked into Publix and all the toilet paper was there? Whoa! wonder how many packs you'd take. Say, I'd just take one. Well, you're so spiritual. <laughs> I mean, that's the way it was for these guys. They're newfound blessings. And guess what? It's easy sometimes when all of that happens to forget about others. We put ourselves first. Here they are just thinking about how much they can eat, how much they can drink, how much silver and gold they can stuff in their pockets, and how much raiment can they carry and they said this, these words, we do not well. That sums it up pretty right, good right there. God blesses us. You know why God blesses you? So that you can bless others. Did you hear that this morning? God's good to you, and God wants you to be good to others. And they realized this. I mean, not everybody had what they had. They realized the people living in the city of Samaria were starving to death. And here they are, their realization, but it led to their reasoning. They, 
they, they decided, hey, look, this is a day of good tidings. Can I tell you, look here, I love Sundays. You know why? Because it's the Lord's Day. I look forward to Sundays. I don't get up on Sunday and go, boy, I, I have to go to church. I mean, you know, I told somebody the other day, I, I was thinking about staying home. They said, well, you can't. I said, why not? And they said, because you're the pastor. But I look at this passage, and they said, hey, this is a day of glad tidings. We've got some good news. And they wanted to share the blessings with others. But can I tell you that that's why the Dillons are going to Israel is because there are still thousands and millions of people that have never experienced the good blessings of God. The greatest of blessings is the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, they realized... Hey, not everybody has what we have. And remember, these were four leprous men. These were men that didn't have anything. And they realized that others needed what they had, and they began to reason about that, about how so many people don't. Let's share it with them. And so notice their resolve. They resolved to go and tell others what they had found. Remember what Jesus said? He says, I, I want you to go into all the world. He didn't say, just go to your neighbor. He said, I want you to go to every creature. Take my good news around the world. And so the Bible tells us as Christians that we should be stirred to action. Hey, it's great to get behind the Dillons. Praise the Lord. Send them to Israel. And it's awesome that our church has this many missionaries but where are you on Tuesday and Saturday when our church, when we go out to our community? It's one thing to say, I love missions. Pembroke Pines is a mission field. There are people right here that are dying in their sins. And I'm going to tell you, it does not honor and please God when we're all about supporting missionaries, but we ourselves are not being a witness for the Lord. Look what it says in Acts 1 and verse 8, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Look, don't, don't say this morning, well, my life has been changed by the Lord, and that's all that matters. Listen, that's where it all begins, is that God saved you, and he saved you to be a witness for him. To serve him. The Bible says in Psalm 66, look at it. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Do you know everyone that's saved has a testimony? Everyone that's saved could tell somebody else about how good God's been to you. I mean, I think that's one of the strongest things we can do. Look at Psalm 71. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. For I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. When's the last time you told somebody about the Lord? Are you like those four lepers? You are in the camp of the Syrians? God's blessing your life, and you've got all these benefits that God is daily loading you with, and yet you know people, neighbors, family, friends, 
strangers. And here you are with all this blessing from God, but you're not sharing it with others. Do you know that if every Christian witnessed for God, if every Christian said, hey, we do not well, this is a day of good tidings, if every one of us witnessed for the Lord this world, not Israel, this world with Israel would all be saved. Do you believe that this morning? Because I want to tell you this morning, all of us, including this pastor, at times fail God by not being a witness for the Lord. Do you want to know what the word that God used for the English word that they translated for witness in the Bible? It's the word martyria. It's where we get our English word martyr from. God says, I want you to be a martyr, a witness for me. God's, God's saying, look, just because you tell others about me does not mean that you're going to die for me. But listen, we ought to be willing to give our lives for the Lord who gave his life for us. And so understand this morning that these men, and if you're saved this morning, you ought to be delighted in the fact that you are saved. But if you're not saved this morning, why don't you come to Christ? Let's see the dilemma this morning. Here they were being blessed of God, and yet there were so many people that were starving. So notice thirdly their decision. Look at verse number 10. Here it is. So they came, and they called unto the porter of the city. And they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians. Behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And they called the porters and told it to the king's house within. So here they are. They come, listen to me, they came to the city that had rejected them. They came to the city that said, get out. They came to the people that had no compassion toward them. And what did they do? Well, their decision, notice, first of all, it involved courage. You know, you and I, if we're going to talk to people about the Lord, I don't know if this has ever happened, but I've witnessed to some of my family members, and I think family's the hardest people to witness to. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. You need to ask God for courage. Can you imagine? Look at these men. It took courage for these outcasts of society to even approach the city gates. Because the Bible says that they were instructed to live without the, the camp, live without the gates. They were supposed to be alone as long as that, that awful disease was there. And so they, look here, they decided that by courage, that they were going to take a chance. Now, it might mean that they would die, that they would starve, they'd be rejected, but it took courage to share that message with those that were in the city. And if listen, if you're going to be a witness for the Lord, it's going to take courage for you and I to share Jesus with this lost world. Listen, you, you can only imagine how many people are going to say no to Brother Dylan and his wife when he's in the Holy Land. You know why? Because they think they're all right. There's a lot of people that think they're good. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And it's going to take courage on our part to share the message. Most people will not want to hear what we have to say. Hey, listen, for three years, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want anybody telling me about Jesus because I thought that I was a good person. But we must share the good news. 
regardless of how it will be received or how we will be, be treated. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Say, Pastor, that's your job. You're the preacher. The word here actually means those that declare the truth. God says, I want you, every one of my children. Brother Dylan said it right. If you don't carry tracts, you have nothing to give to them. If you don't open your mouth and begin to witness to them, talk to them about the Lord, people will not be saved. The Bible says it right there. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? That sounds crazy to us, but there is still a huge part of this, this world that has never heard about Jesus. And so it took courage. That was their decision. But notice the decision also involved compassion. Here's a city of people that had mistreated them, despised them, ignored them. And so it was on their part, not the city's part, it was on the part of these four individuals to have compassion towards them. These lepers were considered dead by society. And those in the city, they, they needed to hear this message. And these four men, they knew that and they did the right thing. Can I tell you, listen, this morning, nothing shows the compassion of the Lord more than you and I taking the time to talk to somebody about the Lord. Now, sometimes it takes years. Anybody in here been praying for somebody for years to get saved? Look at all the hands. That's compassion. You see, we have to understand that even if people mistreat us, like certainly they did these lepers, no matter who they are, you and I need to be like Jesus and have compassion upon them. See, it involved courage when they decided to go to the city. It involved compassion, but look at this. Their decision also involved conversions. Say conversions. Well, when the message was heard, certainly just like any other time, some of you, maybe even this morning, you're hearing this message, but yet you're not quite there yet. Some are hearing the truth and maybe not wanting to receive it. Oh, their message was met with skepticism. Remember the woman at the well that went into town? She began to tell everybody, hey, come see the, the Messiah. Come see the Christ. And the men of the city, they didn't believe what the woman had to say because of the life she had been living. But hey, praise the Lord, she went into town. She, with courage, she began to tell everybody. And the Bible says because of her witness that the men of the city came out to Jesus and they trusted in him as their Savior. See, I see this passage how the Bible says that there were some that were no doubt skeptical, but the message was believed. And as a result of that, look here. The gates of the city of Samaria were open, and the people that lived in the city were saved. You see, it's a wonderful thing, all because these four men, they refused to hoard up the blessings that they had received, and a multitude of people were saved. And when you and I, when we share the truth and the blessings of God, we share our faith with others, we are not responsible for the results. Leave the results to God. 
Because, listen, our job is to tell. It's God's job to do the saving. We cannot save people. But when we do tell them, some will heed and others will not. And it seemed like the city of Samaria and these four lepers, and maybe like the world we're living in today with all that's going on in the news and all the hype, kind of seems like a hopeless situation sometimes, doesn't it? How long is this going to last? How are we going to get through this? Many have had those types of thoughts. There are some maybe this morning like the people in the city of Samaria that are trapped. The army of Syria is around them. They're in a desperate situation. And listen, this morning, you might not be in a city confined by walls with an army around you, but because of the life you're living, because of the sin in your life, you feel trapped. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you and he will not hear. Do you know if those people in the city of Samaria, if they stayed there, if they stayed in, inside the city, the outcome would not have been good. Can I tell you this morning that if you are not saved, the outcome is not going to be good. The Bible tells us. It tells us that God knew that mankind would need a deliverer. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Look at this simple illustration this morning as you think about our lives and all that we try to do, and you think about the, 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 the chasm between us and God. There is no way that you and I on our own, on our good works, can get to God. But the Bible says Jesus said, I am the way. He spanned that gulf. Jesus made it possible at the cross of Calvary. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I look at these four lepers and you know what I see? I see a picture of the redeemed sinners, how God had been so good to them, how they had been brought out of death into life, and that there is now joy, there is delight in their life. Why? When a person comes to Jesus, when they pass from death unto life, there is joy in that person's heart. There is joy in knowing Jesus. And if you don't know Christ this morning, I want to invite you to come to him. Jesus said, come. And that's our invitation this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I wonder this morning if you're here today and we're glad that you came on this community Sunday. But if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, can I invite you today to come to Jesus? With everybody, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking around, Let's just be still for maybe just a couple more minutes. But I want you to listen to this verse while your head's bowed. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 86. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon thee. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, why don't you come today and call upon the name of the Lord? And the Bible says that if we realize that we're a sinner and we turn to Christ in faith,
we call upon him. We put our faith in him and him alone. Not in us, but in him. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With our heads bowed and our eyes this morning, I wonder, have you had a time in your life that you put your faith in Jesus? Could you raise your hand this morning as a testimony? I am saved. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to heaven someday because I've trusted in Jesus Christ for my salvation. Hands up everywhere. You can put your hands down. I wonder this morning, no one's looking around, but would you be honest this morning with God? If you've never had a time that you've, you've realized, I'm a sinner, Christ died for me, and I want to trust in Him today for my eternity, and you would pray a simple prayer this morning, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of the sin in my life. Today I turn to you. I trust in you for my eternity. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand, Pastor? I've never had a time in my life, but I just asked the Lord to save me, to give me eternal life. Can you raise your hand this morning? Just put it up. You can put it right back down. Anyone at all that just prayed and said, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you, to forgive me of my sin and be my Savior. I'm trusting in you alone for my eternity. Would you slip your hand up this morning and put it right back down? Did you pray that this morning? What about you, Christian? Are you like these four leprous men? God's been so good to you. I, I know that we've had times of trials. I know that we, we're going through things right now. But remember, God uses the trials and the temptations for our good. God loves you. And I wonder, when's the last time you told somebody else about how good God is? Could the same be said of us this morning? This is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. If we're holding our peace, we do not well. How many Christians this morning would raise their hand and say, I need to do better in this area about telling others about the Lord? Would you raise your hand this morning? Hands everywhere. Let's stand to our feet this morning as the piano begins to play. If your hand was up this morning, why don't you come? Why don't you come to the altar and just say, Lord, I want to have courage. Give me boldness to tell others about you. Where's the Christian that would be serious this morning? God, you've been so good to me. You've blessed me like you've blessed those four leprous men. Why don't you come this morning to the one that saved you from your sin? It's time that we like those four men said, you know, I recognize God's blessings. And I know others that don't know about the blessings, that don't know that Jesus saves. Would you come this morning and say, Lord, help me to help others 
to come to you. Let's be a community. Remember what a community is? It's a group of people that are fellowshipping together. And because of that fellowship, they have some common interest, some common beliefs, some common goals. You know why our church exists? Because Jesus gave a, a commission. Go into all the world with the gospel. And what is the gospel? It's the good news. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ.